Futures trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Opinions and statements of guests not affiliated with Everag are their own and do not reflect the views of Everag. The accuracy of their statements cannot be guaranteed by Everag. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of today's markets. Today is Tuesday, May 9th. July corn is down 11 and a quarter cents, trading 585 and a quarter, with July soybeans down 18, trading 1416 even. Turning to our guest, this week it's our privilege to have George Tuhig, partner and attorney with Tuhig, Wrightbrock, Schneider, and Hallbach SC. Thanks for joining us, George. Hello, it's nice to be here. George, can you tell us a little bit about your firm's area of expertise? Uh, we are a firm in a 3,000 population rural community that for well forever has been working primarily in agricultural law. Our partners are all from farm roots, and we work with farms throughout the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we've been fortunate to be given that opportunity. So you mentioned that you're from a rural community, or you serve a rural community in Wisconsin, with all of the partners having some agricultural roots, what goes into the farm and business transition process? It's on the top of the mind of a lot of America's farmers, because as we all know, the average age of the American farmer is over 50. And so they're reaching that stage in life where they're looking at transitioning, when they're looking at what those next steps need to be. So I guess I'd love to hear a little bit about what goes into that process and why it's helpful to have an attorney and maybe more specifically an attorney that understands both facets of agriculture and transitioning to help that process. You know, realistically, uh, farm succession planning, estate planning is really a process that needs to involve a really good agricultural accountant, an attorney that understands agriculture. Often the farms have advisors who have some real experience in succession planning. If you uh, look at farming, it's so different than any other industry. Farms have for more than 200 years successfully transferred to the next generation in our communities because farmers are dedicated to farming as a way of life. Most business guys in the outside world are basically trying to make money, figure out what weekends they can golf on, and eventually at 60 or 70 want to sell their business. Whereas in farming, no one ever retires from farming, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. They What do they say? Old old farmers never retire, they just die? Exactly. And by the way, what a great what a great statement about an industry when you love something so much that you just want to keep doing it and then watch your next generation take over. Now, what it really takes is people that understand the mind of the farmer and also the, the fact that farmers farms are kind of asset heavy and cash tight, where a lot of the other businesses are, what, asset limited, but they make a lot of money. It's definitely a different dynamic, like you mentioned, than any other business. And the thing that I've often heard from our clients that makes it somewhat difficult is the valuation of their assets has gone up dramatically. And there's this balancing act that they're trying to achieve, whereas that's kind of their nest egg, right? While they may never fully retire, as they step away from receiving some kind of an income stream from the farm to allow for the next generation to come in, they've got to be able to 
sell those assets, if you will, transition them to the next generation and receive enough income that they can live comfortably through the, you know, the end of their life. But yet they also want to be able to transition those assets to the next generation at a reasonable price point. And then you've also got another dynamic where sometimes you've got one member of the family, one of the children who is actively a part of the farm, and maybe a number of children who've gone off and done other things where they're trying to get that balancing act of what's, uh, how do they say that? What's fair isn't always equal. Isn't that a simple statement said too often? Very simply, the nature of farming is changing. As we're seeing farms that are larger and larger, small farmers that are very successful but somewhat specialized, and that goes from our farmers in the dairy, the crop area, the cranberry, the potato farmers, cherry growers, they're all becoming somewhat larger to be sustainable. At the same time, they're getting more and more children interested in being in the business. But at the same time, you know, when you look at farm assets, it's kind of strange. The value of farm real estate counts three times, when you buy it, when you borrow money, and when you sell it, right? If you're a farmer, it only counts twice, when you buy it, when you borrow money, because you never sell it, you just transfer it to the next generation. The great thing is most farmers don't need to have a fortune to belong to the country club and move to Florida and buy a Speedo and a condo down there. What they they really want to do is be part of the farm and, and enjoy more time off but their standard of living is not so high that they have to drain the farm excessively. We've had very limited cases with sustainable farms where, where it's challenging to provide the parents with a good retirement income. So you, you mentioned, it, you know, it's a changing dynamic. Obviously, land values have skyrocketed here as of late. Have you seen more or fewer transitions in the past couple of years. Do you sense that there is more of the younger generation that wants to come back to the farm? What's what's the direction you sense there? Well, I think there's two things that are interesting. One is that, yes, as these farms are more sustainable and as farms have better income and they've matured, the farm has matured and stayed competitive, there's room enough for sometimes more than one family to come in from the next generation. So we're seeing more multi-children transfers We're seeing more cases where even essential workers in the business are becoming part of the operation ownership, right? The interesting question is with the kids who left the farm and what's fair to them? Well, very simply, the farm can only afford to pay what the farm can afford to pay, right? Right. And if our farmers really view the farm as the legacy of their life's work, They judge their success, whether the farm is a better place than it was when they got it. So they're committed to transferring to the next generation that stayed there and proved themselves. On the opposite side, those kids that left the farm, they had the invaluable opportunity of growing up on a farm. Those experiences helped them develop strength and resiliency and independence. So if you look at it out there, kids who left the farm, they're probably the most employable people outside the industry that you can imagine. They're all doing well. So the the goal has to be to get that farm over to the next generation at a price the farm can afford to pay while still paying existing debt and replacing depreciating assets and expanding and improving adding land because the farm can't buy itself every generation. What I'm hearing from you is that oftentimes there's value on the experience, on the legacy that has to be objectified, and it's not just hard assets. Well, if you think about it, this firm has attorneys who grew up on the farm and didn't stay. We're not starving. We're doing well. (laughs) 
Good point. Okay. And by the way, we're very proud to watch the farm that my family's original land was bought in 1848 is still in the family. And you know what? That original 80 acres has never been bought since the first time it was acquired. It just went from one generation to the next. That is an incredible legacy. Yeah, it's an interesting thing in farming. The rule's always been basically the same. If you farm, you get the farm. If you don't farm, don't even think about it. But if you get the farm, you get grandma and grandpa, don't you? Yeah. By the way, farming's a really cool industry to do legal work for because everybody cares. It's really interesting, as you mentioned that. I have the, the pleasure of fondly looking back on memories of farming with my grandparents and the wonderful opportunity that I had to not only get to know them and have them an intimate a part of our life, but to learn from them as well. And so I think that as you mentioned, you know, getting to farm and getting grandma and grandpa as well, that's an incredibly valuable part of the legacy component that not everybody necessarily gets the benefit of. And I think sometimes in production agriculture, we take some of those things for granted until we step back and really view the situation and the blessings that we have. Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of interesting how when you look at the heartland of this country, how agriculture is really just the rural community. And it and its importance is as much as anything is is the culture we live in, the work ethic, the passion for something, the willingness to commit to something. As you look at the work that you folks are doing right now, is there any part within production agriculture where you're seeing more or less transitions? So for example, are you seeing more in dairy or more in crop, or is it pretty universally the same? You know, it's almost by definition. You build something, your life's work in a farm. Unless you're going to live forever, you're going to have to transfer it. So what happens is every farm we work with will eventually transfer, and it's kind of cool. We've got farms we worked with that were smaller farms that are now in the next generation and become bigger or maybe not so big, who are now transferring to the next generation. And because this has been our life's work, we've kind of grown with them, you know. So uh, I know what's going to be is there are fewer farms. But there's still going to be lots of transfers, and every one of them will eventually transfer. And uh, by the way, I'm tremendously impressed with the quality of the young people on our farms and their knowledge and experience and willingness to work, right? I'm especially impressed by so many women that are actively in the farm and are willing to not only share the ownership and to share the management, but they're willing to share the work of farming. It certainly takes you know, a whole family to make a lot of these operations run. Yeah, I always say if people are going to be in partnership, they have to be equally miserable. They all, they all, have, to, they all have to put the same effort in. They have to put the same passion toward it. And the one thing about farming, because it's a way of life, it's not that hard to put your effort into it. The problem I think happens is that most attorneys don't know anything about farming, and therefore they don't appreciate the philosophy that, that people have in farming and uh, the value system, if you want to call that. I mean, quite frankly, the values that make our farms what they are are values from a different time and place of personal responsibility, of independence, of not relying on other people to provide for you. We're creating a great culture by keeping our farms successful. Very well said. I think that's that's a very large component to it. And I think that goes back to what you talked about earlier when you mentioned the culture of our small and rural communities across the country. 
uh, that really knit this thing together. It it is critical. And I think that's one of the things that I've recognized most. And I think a lot of young people do as well is we need to make sure that our, our communities are ones that do want to draw back the next generation, that there are things for them to do beyond just the farm that add to their quality of life. And I think that's something that um, this next generation has started to embrace and, and kind of expand upon what it means to just come back to the farm. It's really about coming back to their small towns and their agricultural roots as well. Yeah, we always uh, kind of talk about how the fact that the old days, when the kid left the farm, he just left and never really thought about the farm. After that, he went and got his new career. But today, there's so much interest in the in the farm because of the high value of land and the high dollars worth of equipment and the large net worth the farm happens. And all of a sudden, those kids at less, they're more interested than than they would have been, right? Well, the simple fact of the matter is when your next generation stays on the farm, they've earned the right to be the next generation of the farm owners, and they, they've earned the right to get it at a price the farm can afford to pay. They really have. So if you really put your heart and soul into it, your advisors, whether they're attorneys, your ag accountant, has to understand farming, care about farming, be part of the rural community, really have a passion for not only what they do, but for for what the farmer does. George, you've obviously worked with a number of farms through the transition process. And as you alluded to, you've even had the good pleasure of watching multiple generations transition within some of these operations. What advice do you have for listeners as they are beginning to think about transitioning their operations? The first thing that people do is they go see the accountant or the lawyer. The accountant tells them how to save taxes for the year. The attorney says, do you need one LLC or two LLCs, right? Yeah. Well, that's not adequate planning. Planning is really dealing with all the issues that make farming different than selling boxes, right? You know, there has to be time spent getting everybody in the right position so that they have shared quality values, that everybody understands their common purpose in doing this, that they get a shared vision for the future of the farm, that they have clear and understood expectations of what the farm's going to do for them, both both personal and business-wise, that they understand how work is going to be shared and management's going to be shared and ownership's going to be shared. Not just management and ownership, but how the work's going to get shared. They have to get their communication levels high, and then maybe they can resolve the conflicts that inherently come up. And then I think you can have the foundation for a good partnership with the next generation. That's really sound and good advice. I appreciate you sharing that with us today, George, and all the advice that you shared, because it is a very big and somewhat intimidating undertaking for farmers to think about transitioning their operations. If our listeners would like to learn more about your firm and its offerings. How can they best do so, George? Well, I don't know. They can call here. Our number is 920-849-4999. And our email is, well, you can email to George, my first name, at Law T-W-O-H-I-G-L-A-W.com. And we'll be happy to talk to people. By the way, we will actually... If it's not the best thing for us to do, we know a lot of good ag attorneys around the country. We're more than happy to give advice and give some background and 
not make a big deal out of it. And if we can help you, we'll help you. If we not, we'll try and get you to the right people. Excellent. Well, we certainly appreciate your time and joining us on our podcast today, George. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, please subscribe, share with a friend, or give us a like. Thank you to Corey Romero, our producer, and Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's show.